Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, obviously, we talked a bit of Chelsea with Andy with us and he gave us his views on... Frank Lampard losing his job. We were joined by uh, broadcaster Jonathan Overend. He's behind a new documentary on the world of climate change in sport. And there was some pretty worrying stuff in that conversation. Um, a slightly lighter relief. Michael Duff, the Cheltenham Town manager, joined us as well after their fine performance against Manchester City in the FA Cup this weekend. And Alan Moore, the uh, broadcaster from uh, Moscow, told us whether hiring and firing managers as Roman Abramovich has done over the years, is a Russian thing. So, uh, plus we had a chat about various bits and pieces. Here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, and uh, like I said on Friday, you know, nobody really wanted Frank Lampard, apart from the Lampard family and Jason Cundy and myself. <laughs> nobody wanted them to succeed more than me. And uh, it's just very sad that it hasn't worked out. But I think it's clear that it hasn't worked out. He did a very good job last season in the main, uh, all things considered. But I just think the failure to incorporate the new players, that's probably done for him, really. Havertz and Werner Havertz, I don't know. For sure, but then when you look at Van der Beek, it is difficult for players yeah, coming into this is. league, you know. But I just think, you know, against City and Arsenal, two particularly poor performances. There was a, what I call when a manager sits on his hands, doesn't do anything. He's almost frozen in the dugout. Mm. There was no change of system. Uh, I think there were three nil down in both games. There was no change of system, no substitutions. The selections weren't right. The lack of fight and belief against Leicester was poor the other night and they were lucky wins against Fulham and West Ham who if they'd scored probably would have gone on to win the game you know one way of playing you know that really I'm three at the back last season but nothing this season I just think that some odd decisions not getting the best out of the players just in the end I think it was inevitable you know I thought it was a chance they might give him to the end of the year to turn it around the end of the season but if he hadn't and he probably wasn't going to then he would have gone then and uh, it was just moments like in the cup final we did well to get to the cup final and we're 1-0 up and then suddenly Arteta makes a change and he doesn't react to it and then Arsenal win the game so he's basically completely out coached by Arteta who's also a rookie and you know and I think there was a lot of that you know there so was, was a that, lot of was that a bit react. of a red flag to you relatively early on then 
Yeah. I mean, also last year when, you know, when I can see, I don't know anything about football, but I could see in pre-season that we were giving away a lot of goals from set plays. Mm. So I thought, well, he's got to do something about that. That went on right through the whole season, <laughs> even in the post-lockdown. You're just thinking, oh, come on, you've got to change. You've got to do something about it if you've got a problem. And I think if you look at Derby, it was a similar thing, you know, that he did. They had good runs and they'd go on bad runs and they did well, but they just fell short. And I mm. think that's, you know, there's a, and look at the other managers that are around at the moment. Jose. Klopp, Rogers, Moyes, Guardiola, Ancelotti, Nuno. That's I'm probably left some out. They're all really, really experienced. And apart from Solskjaer, who, let's be honest, if they hadn't signed Bruno Fernandes, would have been out of a job months ago. They would. <laughs> so no, he would. You know, he's not good enough either, really. But he's kind of arrived at it, and he's hit this wonderful game-changing player, and it's made him look, you know, quite a genius. But uh, <laughs> I think. You know, the goal problems with the goalkeeper didn't help. Tomore, what happened there? You know, Rudiger. There's a, there's, there's a whole chapter of things. I mean, you could always point to them. Um, but I don't think, I mean, the problem with Tuchel, Tuchel rather, is that he, he doesn't know our league. You know, so you've got the same thing of a man coming in and having, it's a shame. I think they were interested in Pochettino, but I think Poch told them he couldn't wait. And uh, he took the he took the job uh, at PSG, and I think he would have been a very good fit. Tuchel is a, you know, we'll hear from Andy Brassel. It's a quite a damning piece. It's not just me saying all this. I mean, you have a look at Miguel Delaney in the Independent. It's online. You can have a look at that, and you'll see pretty much similar to what I was saying. Yeah, and he, he, even J- yeah, even Jason Cundy with Jim was saying similar things. I think we all, you know, there's a sadness because we yeah. we love him as a player and he's a great <clears throat> club figure, and we wanted him to succeed. It's a bit like you know, if Harry Kane came back as a manager, you well, want him to do. We've well. had it a couple of times. We had it with Ozzy Ardiles, and we had it with um, with Glenn Hoddle. I'm sure fans of all clubs have remembered players they love coming back, and you know, you'll cut them far more slack than you would anybody else, but ultimately you know when it's the time to change. But it'd be interesting to see where Frank pops up next. Um, I'm just, you know, you start to wonder, would a would a Premier League side, a newly promoted Premier League side, take a chance? Will it be a good, solid championship side that's pushing for the Premier League? You know, what's his, what's his mark from a coaching point of view in the two jobs he's done? They're at different ends of the scale. You know, it's quite, it's quite yeah. difficult. And there, and there have been moments of success. I mean, he deserves another chance, but I, I think he won't get too many more. I think he'll, if he was to show the same traits again as he does in the, has in these two jobs, then he's got a bit of a problem. But look, you know, he's, he'll always be a club ambassador. He'll always be welcome there. He'll always have a job being a pundit. He's a really bright bloke that speaks very yeah. well. He's not short of money. I think, he's I, he's, I think know, he, wants, he, I think he wants to coach and manage that. You tell that. You know, yeah. it's not about finding something to do. You know, you've seen guys like Wayne Rooney. None of these guys need the cash or the aggro, but no. they're drawn no. to it. They love football. They know football and they want to be involved. I don't see him, I don't see him on Sky. I think he, I think he wants to coach. He's going to be looking yeah, no, after. I agree. He'll lick his wounds and he'll, and he'll come back. I'm just wondering but it, where it, he is. It won't, be a, it won't be a club like Chelsea, I don't think. No. You know, we'll see what happens. No, because no club in that top four, top six area would have, unless he'd be playing for the club, he wouldn't have even been in the frame for that job. It, it is a bit odd because, you know, it was a bit of an iffy start to the season. And then they had a really good run. And then you really started to think, oh, you know, especially when they beat Sevilla 4-0 away. I mean, not many teams go there and do that. Yeah. You know, they were excellent that night. And then they beat Leeds. They looked, everything looked good. And then they went to Everton and put in such a weird and strange performance. And Everton just about, it was a slightly fortunate, but it was a start of a good run for them. And then after that, it just went, 
you know, the, the game against Wolves. I mean, Wolves were there for the taking. They'd lost Jimenez. They went 1-0 up Chelsea. They should have closed the game out and they end up losing to a last-minute goal. I mean, that yeah. was really, really poor. And those are the sort of things that cost you your job. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're talking climate change in sport, a new eight-part uh, documentary podcast series, Emergency on Planet Sport, is available now. We'll chat to Jonathan Overend, one of the men behind it, very shortly. But before, let's give you a flavour of it. The climate crisis is a challenge that we have to face. It's alarming. It is an existential problem in the long term. This just isn't sustainable. If we continue the trend that we have right now, the planet won't be here as we know it. What we're seeing is lots of good work going on quite quietly and a big looming existential threat that's not being talked about at all. For mine, it's not a possibility, it's a certainty that if we do nothing, it will result in life as we know it being forever changed. Think of it in terms of the positive change that you can actually make. We've got to start from somewhere. And I don't think that's depressing, because I don't think it is depressing. I think it's exciting. It's such a huge topic. I think sports fans generally tend to think, well, you know, unless it's going to stop me watching my football match or watching some golf on the telly or going to the cricket or watching the tennis. But it will, as we discover from this documentary series. I I hadn't thought about the connection at all. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking Uh, more a scientific problem. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Hey, Paul. Hi, Andy. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I mean, it is. I mean, there's some pretty sobering stuff in here, some very worrying examples that that you give of the way climate change is not just going to affect sport, but it's affecting it now. Yeah, and look, I'm absolutely with you as well. You know, I've come from this very much from the outside. I sort my recycling out on a Monday morning. I try to get the kids to turn their chargers off and their lights off uh, for more than five minutes a day. And that's just about it in terms of my contribution, if I'm being really honest about it. So this isn't me coming at this from a sort of nerdy angle or a scientific angle. And you're right, climate change can just be seen as this vast topic, can't it, that can overwhelm us sometimes. What can What can I do in my life? to help with this and and that's what we're trying to do here we're trying to use sport as a way of harnessing communities countries cities i mean it does that in its in its everyday existence doesn't it now why can't we sort of harness that same sort of community to really make a difference on something as absolutely vital as climate change because it's only when you look into it and you really dive deep into it you're right paul that you you really understand that this is an existential threat to a lot of what we just take for granted at certain times of the year in some parts of the world. Do you, I mean, do you think sporting bodies will act to do anything? Do they show signs of acting, Jonathan? Yeah, they are, Andy. They are getting their grip on this topic um, slowly but surely. But this is what's quite interesting in talking to a lot of governing bodies and a lot of associations that they really need clear leadership on this. Um, because beyond a sport governing body, if you think about it, who's in charge? I mean, who who is in charge of sport? You've got the IOC, they run the Olympics, but then you've got this sort of disparate group of governing bodies who all run their own individual sports and national governing bodies who look after those sports in different parts of the world. So it's this huge global industry without defined leadership. And that's where organisations are trying to do their thing. And that's where awareness, I think, is so important. Awareness and knowledge, because with that knowledge comes power and that ability to, to act and make definite change. Um, because the challenges facing different sports are very different. We've looked at cricket and you can have 
very much ex- extremes in cricket. You've got the flooding in, in in English county cricket and and recreational cricket, which is disrupting so much of what we take for granted at weekends. But then on in South Asia, for example, it, it's the other extreme. It's it's too little water and the effect of drought and maintaining those pitches. That again, we just take for granted, don't we? That these cricket pitches will be maintained by the ground staff and we'll be able to play our cricket on them. But in the IPL a few years ago, some matches were actually moved out of the Maharashtra tra- uh, state and. And that was an example of actual lack of water moving cricket matches away from one particular part of the world. So we're losing a lot of county cricket in this country. You look at something like the Australian Open tennis, which is due to begin in a couple of weeks time. Temperatures there routinely now into the 30s, into the 40s recently as well. So the question we're asking is, well, how much more room for manoeuvre have we got there? When is it that sport actually hits breaking point? And are we concerned about that? Are we concerned about the health of these elite athletes? Or are we just going to say, no, you carry on playing there because we like watching you and it's entertainment for us? I think these are, these are really serious questions that sport needs to start turning a lot more than it is at the moment on itself. And you also talk about coastal erosion and links golf courses. I mean, we've seen a number of them, sort of greens, just sort of um, fairways just falling into the sea, just falling off. Yeah. And that's a, that's an issue. And, you know, Link, you do wonder what the future, maybe not the next five years, but certainly over the next 50, 100 years for links courses. Yes. Well, look, that's, that's, the, that's the key thing for me, isn't it? it it's looking distant into the future to think of our our grandkids if you like and their their children and their grandchildren are they going to be enjoying what we have taken for granted over the course of our lives if we carry on the way we're going no they aren't Lynx golf is an absolute prime example because when you talk about coastal erosion you might see a stat or you might read about it as i've done over the years you know that part of coastline is losing half a meter every every five years or whatever and you think to yourself oh half a meter every five years we can we can deal with that but i went up to montrose before lockdown uh, on the east coast of Scotland, beautiful part of the world. Same stretch of coastline as St Andrews and Carnoustie. Just up from those two famous uh, courses, you, you've got Montrose, which is the fifth oldest golf course reputedly in the world. And it's it's beautiful. But the erosion there is unbelievable. I mean, it, it's two metres per year. I mean, get your heads around that. Mm, two metres per year is being chopped. And I was walking down the se- the second, was it? Yeah, the second fairway. And the guy I was walking with said this... The fairway was actually 30 metres to our right. And I looked to my right, and all I could see was the North Sea. And, and, and so the old fairway was basically on the beach. And the same with the third tee and the sixth tee. So that's, again, a, a very live example of where climate change is impacting on sport, not 20 years in the future, but right now. And what can they do to solve that? Well, the, the solutions are hard to find and they're very expensive solutions. But if we can all start addressing the impacts of climate change, because the impacts of climate change aren't just rising temperatures. It's things like evaporation of natural water. It's making extreme weather patterns even more extreme. So i.e. storms will get even more severe in the future if we are to follow the scientific projections. So th- this is a massive issue, which I have to admit, I did not have a handle on at all before I started making this series but it's definitely made me and my family more aware and next time I go to watch sport I'll, I'll definitely sort of like not not take it for granted quite as much as I have done the people at Tadcaster Albion have been in touch he said um, yes with our ground underwater yet again we know all about climate change in sport so I think it's it's hitting home a little bit more locally mm. um, also in the last 10 minutes Tottenham have uh, just sent out a Twitter link and uh, they say they've signed up for, um, in, uh, coincidentally, Sport for Climate Action. They've become a new signatory to that, along with sort of Formula One and the IOC and FIFA and UEFA and 
and a lot of great. other clubs as well. So it, it's yeah. obviously a, a hot topic. Yeah, so this is a United Nations uh, framework, basically, which has been created to try to encourage clubs and governing bodies to adhere to certain principles to show that they are doing decent work in this area, basically. And in football, Arsenal are signed up. Hibs are signed up. As you say, Tottenham now joining. I think Southampton are about to join as well. That's really good news because it, it's a sort of standard, a gold standard, if you like, in terms of sustainability. And as I say, a lot of sports and a lot of clubs are doing really good work in this area as well. It just needs us, I think, to talk about this more. It is it is a bit of a... It's a strange one, isn't it? Because I, I don't think we, we talk about it anywhere near enough. We've talked and talked about COVID and our response to COVID and how COVID has impacted upon sport as we know it. Well, the effects of climate change down the line are going to outweigh the effects of climate uh, of COVID. I mean, talk to any scientific study on this, and th that is what they will tell you. Because what what use is sport, as we say in the series, if you haven't got anywhere to play it? So it's great that clubs are are taking this seriously and starting to move on it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. They'll torpedo this ball into the near post. It's long and flat and it's right under the goalkeeper. There's a little flick on and then it's hammered in. It's hammered in for Cheltenham, who take the lead through Alfie May inside the six-yard box. And Cheltenham down of League Two, lead Manchester City by a goal to nil. Foden far post volleys it into the back of the net. As Jesus is onside, he turns and thrashes it home. Ball in towards the near post, and there to finish it off is Ferran Torres. Cheltenham town beaten, Manchester City through to take on Swansea. They've won away at Wadham Road by three goals to one. Yeah, the scoreline didn't tell the whole story, and I'm sure there was a lot no. of people on about 59 minutes turning over from Celebrity Tipping Point or whatever was on ITV thinking, hello, <laughs> yeah. is this yeah. on? Well, it looked Definitely. like it could be for a while, but uh, it was a great performance uh, by uh, Cheltenham Town. Joining us now, man, we caught up with just, I think, the day before the festival, and we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, yeah. Uh, Michael Duff, the, uh, the Cheltenham manager. Good afternoon, Michael. 
Afternoon, lads. Now you've had time to reflect on it. I mean, I've just wondered in the after. Have you watched it back yet? Will you watch it back with the guys, or was it, have you, is it consigned to history now? No, no. I I, I watched it back myself yesterday, um, and we picked a few things out of the game with the lads this morning. Um, but obviously, <laughs> pretty quickly we move on. We've got Oldham home tomorrow, so yeah, can't waste can't waste too much time on reflecting. It was a it was a good day. Very proud of the players. Um, good day for the, the you know the whole profile of the football club but yeah move on Manchester City themselves sound like they acquitted themselves really well and were pretty generous weren't they and, and complimentary to you I'd, yeah but, um, I thought they were they were top class from Pep you know Pep gave me 10 minutes after the end he doesn't need to do that he's getting pulled from pillar to post and um, the players were very gracious and but I think it shows you the way they celebrated, the, uh, particularly the first goal. Mm. You know, I think, I think they knew they'd been involved in a game, and it helps when you can bring on 160 million quids worth of players off the bench, which ultimately, uh, ultimately won them the game. All the focus has been, of course, Ben Toza's throw-ins, but I think obviously the performance was a whole lot more than that. But it, it, it is quite a weapon, and something that generally. They're not used to in the Premier League. They, Pep said, and the City were working on that. They knew it was going to happen, but you know, practicing it and, and thinking you've got answers is slightly different in the in the heat of battle, isn't it? Well, it's we, you know we we knew what, we know where we are in the food chain. We knew that our chances would be limited, and we had to pick our moments when to attack. So it's a free opportunity to get six or seven bodies into their box, which doesn't happen very often. Um, and they, like you said, it's all right knowing about it, the stuff when it's different. We we knew about all their patterns, but they generally have more answers than, they, than you do uh, mm. for all your questions. So it's um, it, obviously we're, we're a little bit more than just a team with a long throw. But we we uh, got not beaten the playoffs last year, and we sat down as a staff and said, "What can we do better?" And one of the things is we hardly ever used it. And I was like, "Well, it's a it's a it's a really powerful weapon," and I think we've scored seven or eight goals from it this season already. Yeah, I mean, I, I gather that he was watching Rory Delap videos, and because we, Paul and I were talking about this this morning about trajectory of long throws. Some people take long throws, and it has a kind of loop to it. And I always think that's easier to defend than that one that dives in on a low trajectory, comes in really fast. Yeah, well, we did. We, we sat, I sat down with Toes, and we went through a load of Stoke um, Stoke throw-ins and the run that Alfie makes. They, they used to do that at Stoke. You know, mm. someone round the back post that. That everyone gets obsessed with all the big ones, but they they just got to try and make something land on it. But you know, I think Will Boyle's actually scored four goals direct from the throw, which tells you the power that he gets on it. So he's thrown it in, and he's had actually hit it in first time rather than a, a second phase like it was last night. So mm. no, the trajectory is uh, it's so it's so dangerous, more accurate than a uh, a corner really. I do have one slight nitpick. I think the goal nets at uh, Cheltenham are too tightly strung. I, I hate it when the ball bounces out. Foden's, you would have hated Foden's goal anyway. But when the ball <laughs> bounces out back into play, I always think it should nestle in the net. Because otherwise you don't know whether they've scored or not. So have a word with the groundsman. Say, give will, it a bit I'll, of flexibility. Yeah, I'll mark, I'll mark your complaint. It's never a bad thing, though. <laughs> if, if we're scoring goals and the ball's coming out the net too quick, I'll take that. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> As you said, it is good for the profile of the club. And I saw you quoted saying it's nice to be talking about Cheltenham for something other than the race course, As we said, although we did meet you the day before the meeting. Sadly, we won't be here uh, along with nobody else will be coming to Cheltenham uh, this year, sadly, uh, Michael. But it is good, isn't it? It puts you on the map and financially... It's been very important with everything that's been going on this cup run. Yeah, financially, it's obvious. You know, there's no money coming in. Teams at our level are, are really, really struggling. But you know, it's 
we are a small club because we live in the shadow. I can actually see the race course from our training ground, which I'm stood outside now. So you can, um, we stood outside the shadow of the race course. We have a Premier League rugby club three or four miles down the road in Gloucester. So we do, we do struggle to compete uh, with those two sports in the area. Fantastic. And a lot of a lot of the papers though did pick up on the fact that uh, you score from a long throw, and that Pep might be quite offended by that. He might offended his principles, but I, I doubt it. Did he say anything in that ten-minute chat about the the actual goal? No, he, he, he was very complimentary. He said we were organised, we were difficult to beat. He said you've, you've got a real spirit. You can see that, and you know the lads did run their socks off for each other yesterday. But he said he said you use whatever you can. So, would, should were we going to go and try and not take on Man City at a, a football match, so to speak? Well, no. Like I said, pick and choose your moments, and we ultimately a little bit of class. But you're eight minutes from potentially the biggest cup upset uh, in history, and it was it was a case of nearly. Well, finally, Michael, what, what, what can the boys take from this as, as as players? I mean, do you learn anything from playing guys like that? I mean, you obviously got the confidence to know you went toe to toe with these fellas, you know, for eighty odd minutes and they couldn't score against you. But I mean, it's, what else can they take from it? Well, I think the thing that we've learned, what, like I said, I sat down with the players today and discussed, and it was more about them. You know, how a team of absolute superstars and the way they all celebrated together. There was no sort of, oh, why am I playing against Cheltenham? You know. Eric Garcia being linked with Barcelona today and he's celebrating like a madman when they scored all three goals. I think, and I just think that to show that sort of humility, to show that togetherness and that drive, that's, that's the thing you learn. Yes, they've got good players, but they're all pulling in the same direction. And I think that's a, that was the biggest message that I, that I found watching them and speaking to them. Yeah. Well, well done, Mike. It was a it was great yeah, entertainment. It's a shame you couldn't go over the line, but uh, great performance. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Cheers, lads. Michael Duff there, the Cheltenham Town manager, should say well done to Chorley as well. The night before that was a great performance against. Jay Z will be working on a long throw for the final. Isn't yeah, it? we've probably got. Uh, <laughs> we have to feel we can find a nice long throw. We just get bail. Imagine that, three hundred grand a week for long throw. Imagine he's, I think he hasn't got a bad throw on him actually. <laughs> But uh, I did love that. I mean, I love the the quote from uh, the quote. I don't know if it was being tongue-in-cheek uh, at all, um, uh, Pep, when he said, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't uh, a manager in this league during the Tony Pulis years at Stoke. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would have got on, don't you, on yeah, the touch Tremendously, line, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, away from the football, I don't know how this came up or in, in what mm. context, because uh, I didn't, uh, it was all a bit rushed, wasn't it, there to get off to country file after the Manchester United-Liverpool game. So I, I didn't hear any of the post-match stuff. But apparently, mm. apropos of I don't know what, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was asked um, yesterday if he prefers Chinese or Indian food. I don't know. Oh, well. In the short time they had <laughs> to interview him after the match, I don't know how that came up. And he said, I'm a chicken korma guy, actually, he said. Uh, also a lamb Rogan Josh, which is good to know. But I don't like strong, spicy food. I'm sorry about that. Well, don't apologise. You know, it doesn't no. make you a bad person, Ollie. But uh, so there we are. Just an yeah. insight into Korma. Korma. He likes a korma. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's not even curry, is it? Is it? <laughs> Oh, you're a hard man. I'm a hard man, really. And uh, I don't know if you noticed yesterday, but it snowed. And um, there were several tedious tedious photos on social media. Yes, we get the idea. It was like it snowed in Doha or something. It's like, why are you so surprised? It does snow here about once a year. It's not that exciting, but there you go. What can you do? And... uh, 
Oh yeah, some of those captions in the sun. Actually, the COVID idiots on. I got, we got, got quite excited today because my son lives near Primrose Hill. Yeah, and there was a shot of the COVID idiots uh, to Aren't they called snow idiots? Oh, snow idiots. Snow idiots. That's, right. Yeah. that's <laughs> right. Anybody went out <laughs> in the snow and stood within a foot of someone else. It was a snow yeah. idiot. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I sent him the pictures, and at first he did think it was him, but right. uh, it wasn't apparently. So, so it's good to know your son is a snow idiot. Well, he admitted he is a bit of a snow idiot. So basically, right. um, the um, some of the captions as well. The one where the the street where they shot the Hovis said Snovis. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, good, Andy. Uh, you would have seen the pictures, and I'm sure you're going to weigh in on this. This was Brooklyn Beckham showing off his new tattoo. Oh yeah, great. It's it's his fiance's eyes on the back of his neck. He's going to have to get used to. Fiance's eyes burning yeah. into the back of his neck, I'm sure. But um, it's, so it's her eyes on his neck, which will obviously every time he wears a t shirt, you're going to, oh, blimey, going to see a pair of eyes. And then a letter, uh, the words from a letter that uh, she wrote him a little ago. And it's a lovely letter, it's a beautiful romantic mm. thing. The only thing I would say is it's on his neck. Um, so, and she said, read this. I think there's a line in the poem that says, read this whenever you get anxious. So if, if, you know, if you think about it, you'd have to look in a mirror, look over his shoulder, and it'd be backwards anyway, wouldn't it? Because yeah. that would make me anxious. So I think where he's put it, ideally he would have put it on the palm of his hand if he was looking to read it at any point. So uh, all, all I thought was it's going to be very difficult to remove once they break up. But, oh, that's you know, there you go. terrible cynicism, Andy. You, just, you shouldn't be... Uh, yeah, I mean, really, put a, if he goes out, then if he then picks up with a girl who wears glasses, he can just put a pair of glasses on the on the eyes. <laughs> it always do. It gives you uh, options. Yeah, yeah. it's not not ideal, really. Uh, there was a very posh. We're talking of weddings, very posh one in the Times today. Hmm. Mr. S. P. Cooper and Lady I. H. Windsor Clive. That's her real oh, old yeah. creature's name, isn't on it? On the bins. <laughs> yeah, she's the daughter of. Oh yes, the Earl and Countess of Plymouth. Oh, okay. I didn't even know there, were, even know there was such a thing. Yeah. There you are. <laughs> nice gig. Now, that was amazing about mm-hmm. Joe Root. We didn't talk about it with that with Rob Key. Getting run out again. Yeah. He's been run out eight times. It's more than any other England player in history. Really? It's incredible. That's, yeah. Wow. Hey, well, he's not the leading uh, person to get run out of, of good players. Ricky Ponting has been run out 15 times. One of them, of course... Well, that, that never Gary stops Pratt. being funny, really. <laughs> <laughs> Even now when you watch replays, that's always a joy. That, that, that's now, you good. mentioned Eve Basuma playing very well for Brighton. Mm. A lot of clubs uh, yeah, admi- yeah, admiring yeah. glances going his way. He's mm. playing very well. Uh, but I didn't realise, um, they said any regular to the Amex since uh, his his arrival uh, will be aware of the song that the Brighton fans belt out to the tune of Tequila. And I thought... I'm working on the basis that it's just the one word. So it, it struck yeah. me as quite a lot of work in the build-up to not much payout. So let's, I mean, I'm guessing this is what it's like anyway. Masuma! Yeah. <laughs> so you'd have to do all this bit. It gets about five minutes build up just to get to the one word. But I know it's worth it. It seems to work. He's yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's tremendous. Yeah. And we're all uh, we're all looking for things to keep us going these difficult times. Mm. And uh, I was reading the uh, Mail on Sunday U magazine, not a magazine I tend to read normally, but I just okay. had to pick it up yesterday. And it says um, it said here this is the editor's notes. He said. Uh, if you'd like, uh, if you'd like a little, dear reader, if you'd like a little bit more joy in your day, may I humbly recommend Stilton, 
Really? <laughs> this week I had the brainwave of melting it onto jacket potatoes, sandwiches and nachos. You name it. That could be Why? a game changer, Andy. <laughs> that could yeah. be a game changer. That could, people will look upon lockdown three in a completely different way by melting Stilton on a jacket spud. But it's amazing you should say that because try it, she says. It's a serotonin boosting game changer. <laughs> she uses the word game changer. Yeah, right, it's, well, it's, it's a game changer. I've told you it was a game changer. <laughs> you were right. It's melted. It's as if you wrote it. It's melted cheese on a jacket. Of course it's a go. I shouldn't even have to say that to you. Yes, but it's not. Apparently, she would been melting common variety cheddar onto oh. things like an animal, she says. I don't know what animal does She's melting that. cheese onto an animal. <laughs> no, onto... onto She's been using oh, cheddar okay. to melt. I was going to say, I thought it was some sort of crawl. I was going to get the RSPCA <laughs> down there. I mean that. When all, when all this time I could have been reveling in that molten blue veined luxury. That's not, let's not dwell on that particular <laughs> turn of phrase. Um, Danny Drinkwater's in the news as well. Oh, uh, yeah. You see your, your former uh, player? He's gone to was Turkey. Was he former? Oh, he, yeah. Was he former? Yeah. I don't know. Did you sense I he's coming he's still back? on loan. Do you sense I he's coming he's, back? Probably. Um, no. He's took all sight a player, I'd say. Yeah. He, he was involved in a, a bizarre swimming pool accident, um, which means he's not going to be able to play for his team just yet. But it's out of spinal tap. But I don't know, a freak swimming pool injury. I mean, normally... It's actually, it's actually a sad bombing, story. Was it? it wasn't bombing. <laughs> to go from what he did at Leicester, mm. you know, and win the title and be such a big part of that win with uh, with N- N- Kante... Uh, Getting mad, N'Golo yeah. Kanto. N'Golo Kanto, yeah. It's how soon yeah. forgotten. Yeah, exactly. It could have been worse, and let's be honest. It's only a, it's only a hamstring. <laughs> it yeah. could have been worse. <laughs> but to go from that to what was happened to him, you know, that yeah. big transfer, you know, yeah, but lots of money. But, I mean, he went on loan to Burnley. That didn't work. Like, that, this doesn't sound like it's going to work either. So it's, it's quite a well, sad story. That's not right him off, and he just got injured in a swimming pool. He hasn't scored five own well, goals. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. In the 18 and a half years that Roman Abramovich has been at Chelsea, there have been, I think, 14 managers, if you include the uh, the second coming of uh, Jose. So it's, um, it, look, it's worked. What can you say? Uh, it's quite a turnover, but it has generally been effective. And you were just telling me, Andy, that in most cases, with a couple of exceptions, you've agreed with the timing and the decisions by, by the owner. I have. I mean, it's a difficult one. There's this thing of backing the manager, and the LMA always think a manager never deserves to get the sack on any on any basis. But apart from Ancelotti, that was the one I didn't understand. He'd, he'd been brilliant. He'd won the double. The football was fantastic. And uh, the second season, I think they, they did well, but they lost uh, to Jose Mourinho's Inter. And that was uh, and there was a big argument after that in the dressing room, from what I can gather and what I was told. And I think that was the one mistake that he I He let that get personal, admit. did he? You think? Yeah, I think that was a mistake. Mm. But on the AVB, I mean, it was he had to go, didn't he? Yeah. And Jose, both times, Jose kind of engineered it in the way that Jose does. And so <laughs> you know, what can you do? And uh, you know, various others. I mean, yeah. Sari was effective but boring. Conte was tricky to deal with, and so in the end, they did decided not to back him. And with Conte, they could have backed him, mm. but we've seen Conte's track record and how he is with boards and how he is with clubs. So I suppose it was difficult. Yeah. You know, he fell out with the hierarchy, but he was a good manager. Mm. Well, um, it's. It, it's been effective and other teams like Watford use it as a bit of a blueprint certainly their owners do uh, if you keep winning when you're turning over the managers why not but is it a Russian thing we wondered and we thought we'd head to Moscow to find out and speak to uh, broadcaster uh, Alan Moore good afternoon Alan good afternoon guys um, yeah uh, I, I, let, let, let's 
I'll, I'll let you start with the question before I, I make comments and get myself into trouble here. <laughs> well, I just wondered if, if um, Bramovich does this um, because it is a, it's something that we see a lot in Russian football, in Russian sport. I mean, are they, is it a bit of a hiring, hiring, firing culture there? I, t- I take it it is, isn't it? Do you know what? It is to a fair degree, but it depends on the sport uh, and even depends on the business as well because here... There's the mentality which, you know, kind of sadly has, was leaked into uh, Russia from the U.S. at the start of the well, late 80s, early 90s, where a manager has to guarantee success yesterday. There's no reason to wait. He has to have already won the league last season and so on and so forth. Uh, so there is that kind of way that they, they don't want to wait or build for success. Um, a lot of the reasons are is because, uh, you know, they have the budget for now but they don't know what's going to happen next week. So it is all very much short term. However, it's, it is developing here in Russia where they're getting a better breed of sports manager as its sports administrator, um, a better breed of uh, ownership committee and so on. So that's, that is developing here. But there is a bit of a kind of um, the, like trigger happy um, owners who are happy to, to see something, you know, uh, do well. But as soon as there's bad, something bad, they feel uh, it reflects on them. And as soon as that happens, it is the culture here is that, they, you know, they want to immediately proportion blame or proportion blame and say, that's it. He's gone or she's gone. So there, there's no, um, you know, kind of wait and see and leave it like a fine wine or even a very fine Irish whiskey. <laughs> and what about uh, sort of on the Russian news in, in terms of Chelsea and in terms of Abramovich? I mean, he's pretty low profile uh, at the best of times, but I mean, presumably they do write about it and they do take interest in it. Of course they do. Now, I mean, you know, Chelsea, as they're known here, uh, Chelsea were very big, of course, when he took over. They became everyone's club, apart from the kind of the the plastic Liverpool fans that that have suddenly popped up out of everywhere here. Uh, Manchester United, of course, have always had uh, a real following here. I mean, just because of like, you know legendary teams and so on. So it, that, that went back a long, long time here. Uh, so they were well-liked. Chelsea, in the last wee while, have gone down. I mean, for example, when we do our roundup on Capital Sports of a Sunday evening uh, and we look at it, the lowest uptake from listeners is when we do a little mention of Chelsea um, and last night uh, and actually last week as well we said Frank Lampard has a week left and then last night we said he'd be gone in 72 hours and well we, we, we overestimated um, the itchy trigger finger of Mr. Abramovich um, but no people have gone back there were a lot of Chelsea fans here in the kind of late 2000s when I was here and of course when they got to the European final played here in Moscow uh, and we remember John Terry slipping and so on. Uh, there's, you know, there was a genuine buzz that this is our club. You know, isn't it great? One of our boys have done well. He's brought bought a, a sort of a blue ribbon club in every sense of the word. Um, in London, we've done yeah, the boys done good. Now um, this pressure, this kind of thing of like, why isn't he investing at home? Which he was. He was investing in uh, CSKA Moscow, but there's still that kind of. Um, Chelsea are, are kind of like they're a beaten docket. And then, of course, when Liverpool rose up, you had all these fans who a lot of ex-Chelsea fans are now Liverpool fans. And it's very funny seeing, I, I know a few of them who were Chelsea, you know, blue and true, and suddenly they're red men. So it's kind of, it, it has changed. So there's not as much interest now in Chelsea as before. 
Oh, interesting. That's incredibly poor, isn't it? Yeah. To be <laughs> you like can't, you like can't change You can't like change your it, football it, team it like that. It goes on. Alan, you we, can. Oh, come yeah. on. No, yeah. You can. You can. If, 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 look, if you're a Manchester City fan all your life and suddenly you look at uh, Man United do well, you, you turn red. And then when City get big investment to win again, you turn blue again. Doesn't that happen? Or maybe Uh, I'm wrong. I I think, yeah, you're wrong. I I think you're wrong. (laughs) The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow alongside uh, Max Rushton. Andy returns on Friday. Hope you can join us. If not, the podcast will be available at around five o'clock. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 